Welcome to Talking About My Generation, a pop culture podcast dedicated to children of the 80s, 90s, and even in the 21st century. If you're new to the show, welcome. On this podcast, we'll discuss movies, video games, and television shows that we grew up on. This week, we are continuing again without Steven because the bitch has ACL injuries. <laughs> the little bitch. You know, so we're continuing on and we're going to cover tonight. Uh, what do we say? Tomorrow never dies. Tomorrow never dies. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I like this particular film. Uh, it, just that there was a lot that went on with it here. What, what were your thoughts on this, Mike? I love this film. I know a lot of people don't like this film, but this film came out in 97. And I believe at that time, a certain very um, superheroic television series was in its fourth season. Yeah. And we had Lois Lane as a Bond girl. We had Terry Hatcher oh. as a Bond girl who would later go on to be a desperate housewife. Um, <laughs> but um, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I... <laughs> Unlike a lot of people, I really enjoy this movie. Um, it's a comment on the times. It really has nothing to do with the Cold War. I mean, it, I mean, yeah. okay, sure, Bond, you know, Brosnan Bond, the Cold War is over, whatever. You know, the Berlin Wall has fallen and everything else. But this one, like, okay, Goldeneye was, you know, when we talked about it last week, it was all about essentially when you broke it down a bank robbery yeah and in this one you know 1997 it's more of a, a you know tomorrow never dies actually kind of makes a lot more sense to do today than it does nearly 20 years ago um yeah. because it's all about elliot carver media mogul elliot carver who will get tomorrow's news today and and he wants to be the global giant in media. He wants to have television stations, news pay. He wants to basically take over the publishing world. You know, he reminded me, I, I don't know whether to reference him to Richard Branson mm -hmm. or Ted Turner. Cause <laughs> you know, I, I, I know that they both have their places, but Richard Branson has been that kind of out there, do everything, you know, hey, I'm going to stick my dick in every woman who comes along type of thing. <laughs> you know, whereas Ted Turner was like, I'm going to control CNN and that's going to be it. And I'm going to have that and that's going to be my big tie. Yeah, I would say it's more in line with Ted Turner than it is Richard Branson. Yeah. I mean, Richard Branson has a lot in the way of in in his fingers in the pies. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got... You look at Virgin Galactic, you look at Virgin Airlines, Virgin Music. He's got all sorts of stuff tied up with Virgin, Virgin Mobile. Yeah, exactly. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Richard Branson is the one guy that can die and go to heaven, and there'll be 72 virgins waiting for him. So Osama oh. didn't lie to Ahmed. <laughs> oh. oh, you had to go there. <laughs> well, he's... If you think about it, Richard Branson has a lot of virgins around him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except I don't think he's Muslim. I think he's just well, you know, true, Protestant. Well, true, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, so... <laughs> Denounce your infidel fate. Yes. Faith. <laughs> yeah. So, um, let's talk ahead. a little bit about this film here. I, you know, I... I the, the basic plot of this film, we start out, we find that MI6 has sent James Bond into the field to go spy on a terrorist arms bazaar on the Russian border. And television you know via television mi6 the royal navy they all started identifying all these people and they identify techno terrorist henry gupta uh who happens to be buying a gps encoder made by the u.s military mm-hmm. and you know m is like 007 just finish your reconnaissance just do that and nope admiral robot goes i'm gonna push the button send a missile out destroy the arms bazaar uh Bond discovers two nuclear torpedoes <laughs> that happen to be there. Uh, he hijacks those, flies away seconds before the bazaar is struck, and Gupta escapes with the encoder. Mm-hmm. But again, this is where the comedy comes in with these 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 Brosnan Bond movies because you have Mister Colin Salmon, Mister Resident Evil himself, Mister is uh, going to be Arrow's stepfather in the CW television series Arrow, um, you have Robinson, who basically says, yes, I I see it. I know what it is. I'm bloody well looking at it on the screen. And oh, my God, just, you know, the white knight to white rook and all the chess pawn name things and everything. Adding Colin Salmon as Robinson to the cast to have... Someone else other than Tanner and, you know, in the main situation room with them oh, was yeah. just simply genius because that character is amazing. Yeah, you know, he's everything that he's pulled off. I, he fits for this. I, he just does. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I, 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 I thought he was rather funny in this. I, I liked him. We'll move on from him. Where am I? <laughs> I have lost my lost my place. Oh, I'm sorry. We're coming back here. Media <laughs> Baron Elliot Carver. We yep. have to mention him. Th- this is the guy that did all the Infinity commercials right around the same time, mm-hmm. advertising Infinity. And that's the only thing that I remember him from. He's got the Carver Media Group Network, CMGN. Instead of TNN, which was Ted Turner News <laughs> Network, <laughs> Ted Turner Networks, yeah. So yeah, he's he's trying to use this encoder that Henry steals, and he wants to start a war between China and the UK. Wants to replace the current Chinese government with one that will give Carver exclusive broad, broad broadcast rights in their country. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm just kind of <laughs> like, uh, you know, it, it's it's. This was kind of hokey, and this is the things that bothered me. I mean, we we have this. They send him, they send a British frigate off course into Chinese-held waters into the South China Sea where Carver's stealth ship, which I I didn't like this thing. It looked like, (laughs) it looked like a B-2 bomber on water. That's what it's supposed to look like. It's a stealth boat. I mean, you got to give the Brosnan era of Bond for its use of vehicles some credit here. I mean, we can't all just have, you know, giant tanks that, that you know, run through St. Petersburg or, you know, 
Um, I, I mean, this movie is very ingenious with with its vehicles because you have this thing, you have the BMW that we'll talk about later in the queue scene, uh, which comes obviously back into play later uh, in the chase scene. But um, <clears throat> the stealth boat, I thought it was something interesting for Bond. I mean, we don't, other than the underwater Aston Martin, we don't really deal with a lot of underwater things in the Bond films. So why not put it on a stealth boat? Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I just, and I didn't like it. It was, it looked hokey. That's all. <laughs> did, did you see this in theaters? Uh, actually, yes, I did see this one in, in the theaters. Okay. Now this came out in 97. All right. So yeah, uh, 1997, this came out and I saw this in theaters as well. And I was totally freaked out by the buzzsaw missiles. Anyone that wasn't freaked out by the buzzsaw missiles. <laughs> yeah. The drill missiles. Yeah. It's like, Hmm, why hasn't it exploded yet? Let's go up and to the left now, the funniest thing about this is I don't know if Bruce Tim and his team at the time were into James Bond, but in, I believe it's Panic in the Sky from Justice League Unlimited, the uh, Galatea, a.k.a. the evil Supergirl and the Ultimen actually used these exact same things in oh, animation. God. They fire at the watchtower. 1000 Damocles class missiles and they are drill bits and they drill through and the drills actually once they drill through the watchtower the drills fall off and the ultimate army of clones is hiding inside these drill missile things oh, um <laughs> so i i thought that was simply genius that you know justice league unlimited is 2004 somewhere around there uh 2004 to 2006 um so uh, but yeah, no, but anybody wondering about those, th those drill missiles and seeing that in theaters, if you weren't scared of those things, there's something really wrong with you. Yeah. Oh boy. Well, I, I, I like how they have everything that goes through where you have Bond seducing Carver's wife who happens mm -hmm. to be an ex-girlfriend, yep. which lo and behold, it happened it is she's not, um, that's not Terry. Hatcher. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm getting confused here with some of the characters. I'm like, cause I'm thinking that there was something mm -hmm. with uh, Harry with not Harry Stamper. Oh my God. I'm making references to Armageddon. This is horrible. No, <laughs> that's a year later. No, right. No, no, no. Wrong Stamper. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh my God, dude. Um, I know, no. I know, I know. Terry Hatcher, who is Carver's wife was actually a former flame of bonds. Um, the interesting thing, and I know you're probably going to have this in your trivia, but I'm just going to say it here now. Uh, as far as the casting of her in this movie at the time when production started, she was three months pregnant. <laughs> yes. I, I thought that, and she was like, eh, you know, I, I really probably shouldn't have done that, but it is what it is. I did it. It is what it is. And I still love her for it because oh. it, she's done worse movies. Oh yeah. I, I, oh my God. If it's still. If it's still on there one of these days, maybe, oh, God, that it would is. be so... It is. If be... you're referring to Brain Smashers, <laughs> it's still there on Netflix. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, Terry Hatcher could have done worse than than you know, and she has done worse than Tomorrow Never Dies. I mean, just look at yeah. Brain Smasher, a love story. <laughs> yeah, come on, you had dice in it. it it's <laughs> <laughs> but it's dice. Everybody loves the dice man. Right, the dice man cometh. No, <laughs> no. Wow, an Andrew Dice Clay and a Mister Freeze Arnold Schwarzenegger reference all in one. That's oh. amazing. Oh, <laughs> you Batman and Robin that up all to hell. Yes, I did. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> well, the one thing I I didn't like in here is that they have Carver's wife killed. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just like, oh no. She was sleeping with with Bond, killer. Like, wow, what a cold-hearted bastard. Uh, but, of course, this does leave Bond open to mash up with Y. Lin. Yeah. See, yeah. this is one thing. This is one thing about the Brosnan era that I don't particularly care for, and it's only in these two films. In in GoldenEye last week and, and, and this week is he ends up with in you know, don't get me wrong. Michelle Yeoh is a hot Asian chick. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. But it just doesn't seem like the type for James Bond, especially this James Bond. Like I, I expect him and then hope to hope to see him with someone like Paris Carver. You know, as far as the looks and everything else, and the same oh, yeah. thing with with um with uh uh n- n- yeah n- Natalia from last week. Don't get me wrong. I know Zenya's a cold-hearted, evil bitch, but <laughs> it's yeah. just the type, you know, the the physical type that I I would expect Bond to go for something completely different than Natalia. And here is the same thing. Um, the one thing that's hokey about this film for me, and the one thing that I really don't like about it, is the whole thing at the end of I said we were gonna finish this together. And we're going to do throughout the whole film. They have no sexual chemistry whatsoever. uh, Waylon and Bond. And then all of a sudden at the end, they're going to screw. Yeah. (sighs) Makes no damn sense whatsoever. What the hell were you thinking? Purvis and Wade. Um, The only thing I can think is that they were, they thought that there was sexual chemistry and I'm, I'm really going out on a limb with this when they were doing the whole, uh, chase scene where they're riding on the motorcycle and they're handcuffed together. There was a bit of chemistry, but it wasn't between them. They were trying to stay alive. Yeah. She even tells him, don't get any ideas. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I mean, that's the only thing I can say that they were thinking, oh, she's handcuffed to him. It's an S&M type thing. Oh, no, not at no. all. No. no. Uh, the, the funny thing, you brought that up, the motorcycle chase scene and the ending helicopter thing. I was still watching Letterman when this movie came out. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And I saw, I, I think it was Pierce that was on Letterman. Um, and they had that clip uh, with him sliding under the helicopter and then it getting destroyed. And I remember Dave's like, how do you pull it? You know, you know how Dave Letterman is. But oh, yeah. he's, he, he's back then he wasn't as, I don't want to say unfunny, but he wasn't as off kilter as he has become in the last five, 10 years. Yeah. Um, but in 97, he was like, explain to me how that's, you know, he was really inquisitive about it. Wanted to know more about it. Just absolutely praising the scene. And I thought that was really cool. 
Um, uh, but you know, you got the helicopter scene. Um, you've got the scene with them ripping down the banner, down Carver's building in in uh, was it Helsinki or oh no Hamburg? Yeah. Um, you know. Um, so that was awesome. Uh, one of the other things that I did like in this film, one of the one of the better scenes, is when they when he has to do the leap, the the halo jump. Oh yeah, that was just I, I'm watching that and he's like, okay, I want to just dive off. He's wearing the oxygen mask, mm-hmm. dives off, parachutes, and all of a sudden hits the water, and it's just like, holy shit, mm-hmm. that was excellent timing. <laughs> Are there any U.S. markings on him? The 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 wetsuit, the parachute, every. Jesus, if the Chinese catch him, that's, I'll say, it's not this movie's fault, but in general, I am not a fan of slow-ass underwater scenes, and the scene of him diving down there, and then Wei Lin showing up down there under the water, it just, it, that's a scene that I will always fast forward in this movie because oh, I, yeah. it's just too friggin' slow. Yeah, it, it needed to have a little bit more action. I mean, th- there needed to be more bullets shooting through the water. There needed to be more harpoons or something. Something, yeah. You know, it just, it, it, it happened, but it was slow to get to that point. You know, I, I've, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, we've got Gupta, who is the forever spy, and I, I know we're jumping all over the place in this movie, oh, yeah. folks. But the Henry Gupta, who's the ultimate spy, who is basically filming the party at the time, and and uh, you know the, the the whole thing with um, you know, no, here's to the gun, you know, the whole toast, and you know, the fact that Paris knows where James keeps his gun and whatever else, which obviously, as we've already said, sets off Carver and whatever else. I oh yeah. I really love the interrogation scene. <laughs> oh. I love the interrogation scene when they're beating the crap out of James because it's a soundproof room. No one will hear him scream. And then he gets to turn the tables on all of them. And he throws one of them at the end through the plate glass, double, you know, double-sided glass or one-sided glass. Like, I, I just imagine certain criminals in police stations attempting to do that. I know, I know police station, uh, not from personal experiences, but I know police station interrogation rooms are not as big as this room was, but it just <laughs> makes me wonder. Oh, yeah. You know, just uh, some of the stuff, and some of the stuff you watch it and it's kind of like, okay, it's a little unrealistic, but at the same time, it's a James Bond flick. You want it to just kind of be, you can suspend your disbelief for a lot of it because you expect the explosions. You expect the spy gadgets to come out. You expect little tricks to come off because James Bond always gets away. So, Speaking of gadgets and tricks... <laughs> Good segue in. Let's talk about Desmond Llewellyn, shall oh, we? Oh <laughs> my god. Oh, Q. So let's see, what does he get? He gets a new BMW, uh, which Q says, I programmed it with a female voice. I I figured you'd respond better. <laughs> oh, we're getting along already. Um and it's so so. It's always interesting to me where Q pops up. Like in Goldeneye, he was at MI6 in his laboratory because they had to show off all those cool, you know, the oh, yeah. 
the airbag phone booth, the all this other stuff. In this movie, he's at the airport and he's in rental cars. And <laughs> <laughs> where they get to test drive this BMW is amazing. And it's so funny, you know, Q's just trying to one tap, one tap. And, and, and James says, let's see how she responds to my touch, AQ. And he takes it and just. Yeah, he does the whole like sliding it around and hauling Three sixties, one eighties, everything. Um, you know, and and all his Q can say at the end of it is, oh, "Grow up, 007. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I love that car though. I mean, some of the stuff that they had, you see the tires getting flattened, and then all of a sudden the tires raise back up again. Yep, the reinflators. Um, yep, you know the spikes. Um. The Buzzsaw logo. Yes. <laughs> the, the BMW logo raises up and there's a Buzzsaw because he cuts the one of the wires. Um, this by far, out of a like a, a car scene, this by far, this entire scene when, when later when they get to the parking garage like we're talking about, um, is the best car scene out of all four Brosnan Bond films because of how he does it. In the end, because oh yeah, <laughs> as he's going up and going up and going up, he realizes, oh well, um, I better get out and just autopilot this thing with the phone. <laughs> um, so he drives and drives and drives. He gets up to the roof of the parking garage, and he doesn't even care. He's just trying to get away from these guys, and whoo, just launches it right off the parking garage roof, and just constantly taps the horn, taps the horn, boom, it lands in a. Avis office. <laughs> it lands in a friggin' yes. rental car office. <laughs> Here's my return. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh, the um the exchange. We'll have to put it in here at the end, maybe, uh, between him and Q. When Q's asking him about the different insurances. Um <laughs> and and <laughs> uh, oh. uh, you never know, but accidents do happen. They frequently do with you. <laughs> just the yeah. Des Desmond just made that character so magical and so he so was so amazing. so and just a lot of the deadpan delivery was was yep. just great. Oh, I miss him so much. It's it's, it's, it's hard to believe we're not there yet, but we are four years away from. The 20th anniversary of the world is not enough, and the 20th anniversary since he died. Yeah, you know, it's 19th. just amazing. And the man, you know, I'm sure if we look, you know, if I had his IMDb pulled up, I'm sure he's done a bunch of other things in his career. But let's face it, Desmond Llewellyn is and forever will be Q. Yes. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit about some of the cast here because we had quite a bit all over the place here uh you know again we had pierce brosnan we've already kind of i don't know if we want to beat a dead horse with this i mean it's not that he hasn't done a lot he has done a yeah. lot of stuff he is bond he's been yep. remington steel you know he yeah i don't think when we do the other two i don't think we really need to go into too much depth on him because we know yeah. at this point exactly you know we know that he's done a shitload of stuff uh I do want to touch though, like Jonathan Price. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are probably like, oh, he was, you know, you remember him from this film. I remember him from doing the Infinity commercials. Mm -hmm. But he was also in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. 
Nope. I didn't realize this until I started looking it up. He was Elizabeth Swan's father. You know, he was the, he was the governor Swan. I was kind of like, okay. Uh, he also will be. If, uh, he'll be in a Game of Thrones episode coming up here as High Sparrow. Uh, he was the president in G.I. Joe Retaliation. Rise and Retaliation, Rise yeah. of Cobra and Re- Now, see, that's interesting to me because I had not paid any attention to him. Like, I, I, I wasn't looking for what Jonathan Price was doing since Tomorrow Never Dies. So, what, almost, like I said, we're, we're two years away from the 20th anniversary of TND. Um, so, you know, in 20 years, I haven't really, like, paid that much attention to see where he pops up. But now that I see it on his phone, I'm like, oh, boy. Elliot Carver was the president. Yeah. He, he really got his wish, didn't he? You know, yes. <laughs> but, um, and I knew, I friggin' knew like when I, when I saw rise of Cobra and in retaliation, I'm like, where have I, like it was bugging me yes. and, bugging me and bugging me. I'm like, I know I've seen this guy before. Where the hell have I seen him before? And it just never dawned on me until now, until I actually saw his picture on IMDb and actually looked at his filmography here that, holy crap, that's the president from G.I. Joe. That's amazing. Yes. He was also in another another great film with Alec Baldwin, mm-hmm. um, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you've never seen it, go watch it. If for nothing else than to hear first prize is a car. Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. <laughs> You know, it's very, I will warn you that if you think that we're coarse with language, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross has a lot worse. Uh, but yeah, it, it's still, it's still a good watch and just very enjoyable. So go watch that one. Maybe we'll cover it here later on. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, to get back, Jonathan Price, excellent actor. He's done a lot. I thought he was great in this role. Although all I kept seeing him as was, He's another Ted Turner. And that's that's all I could think of when I watched him. Yeah, true. So, uh, um, Terry Hatcher, I mentioned earlier, she went from being Lois Lane to this to Coraline. She was a voice in that. And she went from that to being a Desperate Housewife. Um, well, actually, Desperate Housewives was currently ongoing at the time. Uh, she's got coming up. Um, she's been a voice between last year or oh, two years ago and now. Uh, she's been a voice of Beatrice Lebeek on Jake and the Neverland Pirates. Um, she was Dottie in Planes, Fire and Rescue from last year. Yeah. Uh, she is Silver Skylark in Stanley's Mighty Seven from last year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, for me, really, when it comes to Terry Hatcher, it's all about Lois and Clark. Of course. She, she is one of the best live-action Lois Lanes, next to Margot Kidder. Um, yeah. Well, obviously, Margot's ahead of her. But, like, for me, Terry Hatcher and Dean Cain, they are my personal favorite Lois Lane and, and Superman. Um, don't get me wrong, I love Christopher Reeve and, and all that, but for television, they really, really changed it up. They made it a little bit more funny. It was really, really awesome. Um, I just like her as an actress. I mean, even in Desperate Housewives, I had seen like the first four episodes of the series. Um, she's all right in that, uh, but still. Um, yeah, I, I, 
I kind of tried to watch some of it. My wife was a huge fan of Desperate Housewives, but my problem was every time I kept watching and I kept seeing uh, Paul Atreides from Dune, you know, a.k.a. <laughs> Special Agent Cooper from yeah. Twin Peaks, I kept thinking of that in Lois. You know, <laughs> that was my problem. I couldn't watch it anymore after that. So I'm, I'm sure it's a good show, but I couldn't get past seeing those characters there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to bring up Michelle Yeoh, though. Mm-hmm. Michelle Yeoh has had a huge list of things that she's done. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the first things that she did early in her career was Super Cop with Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they called it Police Story 3 at the time, but you know, mm-hmm. it came out in 92. That was one of her first films. She came on again to reprise her role for Super Cop 2. Uh, she was in Tomorrow Never Dies. She has she made another appearance in 2000 in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon as Yu Shu Lin. Mm-hmm. I, I hope I'm saying that name right. And I'm going to mention this one here just because I love the comic book. And it pissed me off to see this. <laughs> there was a comic book back in the 90s called Silverhawk put out by mm-hmm. Image Comics. In it, Silverhawk is a black man. <laughs> they decided to cast Michelle Yeoh as Lulu Wong, a.k.a. Silverhawk. <laughs> what the fuck? A black man does not look anything <laughs> like an Asian woman. Okay? And the whole thing, I want to say it was supposed to take place in like Chicago, and they've got this taking place in Korea. Mm-hmm. I watched, I got through about 15 minutes of it, and I got through to where Michelle Yeoh makes an appearance as Silverhawk, and then I went, ah, they killed it. Sorry, I can't watch it anymore. It was like, it was a bad B-rated flick. But mm-hmm. she's done other things that have been really good. She was Zeon in Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Uh, she was in Memoirs of Geisha, uh, Babylon AD, Kung Fu Panda 2. Uh, and she's getting ready to, oh, I didn't realize this. <laughs> she is going to be coming back for the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2, The Green Legend. So she'll be returning for that. I'm looking forward to that one. I wonder if they're going to superimpose Hulk in that movie. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> is, Ang, no. is Ang Lee directing that one? Uh, good question. Let me see. Uh, no, thank God. <laughs> Wu Ping Yen is directing the sequel. And it is slated for an August 28th release of this year. So... Look for what, you know, nine months, eight months. And the original came out in 2000, right? Yes. Why does a 15 year old movie need a sequel? Oh, no, don't get me wrong, folks. I get it. You know, certain movies need sequels. Why does Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon need a sequel? It was good enough. I I would say because there was a lot of stories going on in there. You had the love story. You had the story of the sword. You had Chow Yun-Fat and his you know, his lover, his, I shouldn't say his lover because they really didn't, they they were two people who loved each other, but they really couldn't say it until the very end. <laughs> you know, you had, you had uh, Yushin, Yushu Lian's character that was going on and, and 
she was dealing with the Chinese barbarian. So there was, there was a lot of stuff that went on with that film. So wait, the Chow Yun Fat thing. Mm-hmm. They couldn't say they loved each other until the very end of the movie. Well, they, they, why loved the each hell? Other, but yeah. Why the hell is this magic moment from cocktail playing in my head right now? <laughs> oh, God. You would make a Tom Cruise reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I thought that, you know, Michelle Yeoh in this film, I, I think that she was decent. I think that she did a good job in tomorrow never dies. But I don't know that we really needed her there. She was the mm-hmm. Chinese spy. I understand the link. She was supposed to be another Bond girl. And I, I just didn't see it. Mm-mm. Just no. didn't see it. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm trying to see who else we had. We had Joe Don Baker, who did reprise his role again. Judy yeah, Dench. Last time he would, I think. Uh, yes, this is his final role. Uh, uh, final Final movie in the Jack Wade role. Mm, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too bad. Because, I mean, well, no, I mean, it does suck because he's, let's face it, folks, as cool as Felix was, Jack Wade was the Felix lighter to Bar- to Brosnan. I yes. mean, it's really what he was. Um, and it was a fresh take. I, it <laughs> We didn't even bring up the whole show me the rose thing last week. Oh. <laughs> no, please, no. Muffy? After my third wife. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and he had, and I, I'm, I'm going to, I have to reference the last week because I forgot to bring this up, but, you know, it's like, oh, Jesus Christ, another stiff-ass Brit. Just secret codes in your passwords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, um, there was something with that. I mean, just him being the American with the, there, there was a lot of those in the earlier films and for them to pull that back out for this, I think it was great. Nice touches. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. They, they gave a, they gave a lot more. They paid a lot more homages to the earlier stuff without making it too goofy, without making it too Austin powers. And I think that, 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 that that's a good thing, you know? Well, wait, when did Austin, when did international man of mystery come out? Wasn't it 99? Uh, or I want to 90, say I don't know. Um, uh, 97. I, okay. Well, it came out the same year. You know, that's a franchise we'll have to cover at some point as well. Oh, yeah. oh God. Can you imagine if we don't release these episodes and then put Austin Powers movies on the back? Never mind. Anyway. Um. Oh. Oh. <laughs> no, we're not no. going to do that. No. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Although a failed franchise's February might be interesting. No, I don't think it's a pretty successful franchise. I mean, granted, yeah. I only had three movies, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when when you get the king of Saturday Night Fever to be your villain, how can you not be successful in the third movie? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll definitely have to cover those as as because they were <laughs> they were spoofs of all the James Bond films. So, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think: is there anybody else we really want to cover here? There, 
I mean, there's it's okay. Colin Salmon, I already mentioned him pretty much. I mean, he was, I don't think he still is in Arrow right now, but he was in the first two and a half, three seasons of Arrow as Walter Steele. Um, he's an actor that when he pops up, I love seeing him up because I first saw him in this movie. And then next week, when we talk about the world is not enough, that movie, um, so there is that, uh, but I, I, pr- I think we pretty much got it covered here because, I mean, it's yeah, I not. Mean, the only other person who I'd probably bring up just because of his filmography would be Ricky Jay. Uh, okay. Ricky Jay, he's done a shitload of stuff. He was in Boogie Nights. Uh, he was one of the cameramen. He was in Magnolia with Tom Cruise. Uh, he was on Flash Forward. He, let's see, Jesus, he's had a bunch of stuff. He was in Red Belt. Uh, he was in The Prestige. He was Eddie Sawyer on Deadwood. So, I mean, he's had he's had quite a bit when you mm-hmm. look at it. Uh, oh, God. Yeah, I have to mention his name from Boogie Nights, Kurt Longjohn. If that's not a porn name, I don't know what is. <laughs> and, of course, if you see Ricky Jay... All you can think is just hairy chest, hair all over the place. It's another Ron Jeremy kind of character. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. Oh, 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 I had to put that image into my head. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, we'll move just, on from this. Just think of the brain smasher, dude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, so. I mean, we have quite a bit here. Uh, I do want to bring up a little bit of trivia because, yep. you know, I love the trivia. Obviously, we've got a bunch. Uh, one of the things with Michelle Yeoh, she actually did all of her own stunts. Oh, yeah. And in the scene when they were doing, when you see her racing underneath the helicopter, she was actually telling the guy, the stuntman who she was riding with, go faster. I want my hair to blow back. So you can actually see the wind and see how crazy this this stunt is. She was telling them, go harder, push harder on this thing. I want it to be as out of control as possible, which, I mean, that's phenomenal when you look at it. Uh, One of the other things with this, the product placements, I got to talk about this for a minute. Okay. Okay. We had a lot in this film. I mean, this, this was really kind of the most obvious product placements for this film. We had BMW, you know, obviously. Well, I mean, it's his car. Like, Okay, sure. Product placement, I can see, like, Pepsi and Coke and Juji Fruits and all. But when you have a car in a movie, I don't see how you can call that product placement because it's his fucking car. I mean, that's what he's driving. Right. I mean, I could see the whole Avis thing as product placement considering that's where he crashed it. But... I don't see how you see a car as product placement. Well, BMW paid a shitload of money to put their cars in. Hey. Okay. If it, if it gets the movie made, that's great. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was part of it. You also had L'Oreal Cosmetics because they had a lot of stuff with billboards all over the place for that. <laughs> uh, Heineken beer. My yeah, favorite. That, that, that was a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my favorite was the Ericsson cellular phones because <laughs> that was the cool phone that he used to control the car with. And that, that phone was a piece of shit. I'm sorry. See, that's what always bugs me about 
television and movies is they they show us these cool cool things and it really isn't in real life like if that phone actually did everything seriously okay this movie is 18 years old at this point okay 18 years ago and and compared to now the iphone and most other cell phones nowadays have fingerprint scanners mm-hmm uh, I wish my cell phone or a cell phone, if I ever had one again, would have, you know, a 500,000 volt charge on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be shocking people like there ain't no tomorrow. <laughs> You're stupid. You're stupid. You piss me off. Kiss my ass. <laughs> kiss my ass. Happy. M- Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Kisses. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's just one of those things. Um, and yeah, you're right. Uh, I don't understand how something that has Sony's name on it can be a piece of shit. Like, I know Ericsson is a part of Sony or some subdivision. Sony Ericsson is some subdivision of Sony, um, you know, the yeah the big conglomerate of Sony. But I don't understand. Like, I, I just don't get it. Um, but yeah, his phone was friggin' cool. I, I, I wish that phone actually was, was cool in real life. Yeah, unfortunately, we're talking about Ericsson phones. There's a reason mm-hmm. that you don't see them around anymore. They're yep. not cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, and I love this. I love this bit of trivia. When they did the car park scene, they actually had to reshoot it because it was too expensive for them to go back to Germany to redo it. Oh. So they, well, they do it at this place called Brent Cross Shopping Center in London. Right. Okay. Well, they put up a bunch of signs all around Brent Cross. And they told the shoppers in the area, when you hear the explosions, they're nothing to worry about. It's okay. We're just filming a movie. <laughs> and they did it for, they, they took 10 days to shoot this scene. They, they destroyed the hell out of 17 BMWs. And I'm just kind of like, wow. And BMW was okay with this. <laughs> it goes back to what you said. BMW paid a lot of money to have their car in the movie. Yeah. I mean, what? I'd like to know without having to sit here and look it up, what the base price for that car was in 1997. Because if they went through 17 of them, that, let's just say, for example, the bait, just the base, no, no frills, no nothing, just, a car you can go into the BMW dealership and buy with no, you know nothing major added to it. Let's just say the base price is $15,000. Right. Okay, which I know is not. That's unrealistic because it's BMW and they customize everything to make it 40, 50, 60, 70, 100,000 dollar car. Yep. So, if you take 15 <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm doing this. $15,000 <laughs> times 17 yeah, that's a lot of car. That's yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> so I'm sure BMW put up a lot of money. And you got to think, you know, 1997, we're not living in the ages of, you know, the 80s anymore where you have to use stunt cars that are different from the actual car in the it, perfect example is if you go back and I think it's it's trust doesn't rust uh from night rider mm-hmm. you go back and you watch that episode where a car 
flies off off the cliff. It's not car. Like I have photographic evidence of the oh, yeah. car going off the cliff, not even being a mother flipping Trans Am. It was and a it Ford Edsel. Yeah, it just <laughs> broke my heart when one of my listeners pointed that out to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, what? It wasn't really the Trans Am. What the hell are you talking? Oh crap. Um. So, uh, any other product placements? Uh. Well, I have to mention this because. I didn't realize this. That stealth ship, which I thought was a piece of crap and looked like a B-2 bomber. Mm -hmm. Turns out that it wasn't a fictional invention. No, it's not. It was real. Lockheed actually secretly constructed and demonstrated one in the 80s. The U.S. Navy said, nah, we don't want any. And the prototype, which was called the Sea Shadow, was 160 feet long. And the movie's ship closely resembles it in shape. Yeah, I mean... Well, see, see, here's the thing. If you look at the stealth boat in the movie, it's a, it's basically, (laughs) God, it's a hot pocket. It's a giant black hot pocket that got burnt beyond recognition in color that has no bottom crust and has all the filling sucked out of it because it, it kind of looks like a hat a three-quarter shell or just, you know, a turtle shell without the turtle in it because it has the top and it goes over and then it has the middle where at the bottom you can sit and then there's the water because it's it's like an open horseshoe kind of thing. And it it is cool. It may not look cool to you, but trust me, it's cool. Yeah. And what's even funnier is how they had to find it. It's like... Oh, just keep firing. We'll find it. We'll find it. And they, you know, stop. We also see unknown ship. We will not fire unless fired upon. It's like, oh my yeah. God. The British and the Chinese trying to communicate in this movie is just hilarious. Uh. <laughs> we actually have two Q scenes in here. He doesn't appear in both, but we actually have two gadget scenes in this movie. We have Q earlier, and we have when James gets to Waylon's shop. And. <laughs> He's like, oh, new model. Oh, I always wanted one of these. What's this do? Wham. There's one up on your left. Wham. Uh, you get the equipment. I'll type the messages. Looks at the, key- <laughs> looks at the keyboard. On second thought, you type. Yeah. <laughs> uh... The Brosnan Bond films, at least these first two, are just pure, unadulterated fun for me. They really, really are. Yeah, and I think that that should probably say it all for us. I mean, these were these were probably the best of the Brosnans. And I say that not to trivialize Brosnan's Bond, because I really did like him. A lot of the looks that he gave where it was just kind of like, oh, I blew up stuff. Oops. You know, it was kind of like an, oh, hey, I did a great job. I, I succeeded. You know, that was that was purely by luck, almost. That mm-hmm. was the kind of looks that you got from Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Whereas with, you know, with, with Daniel Craig, you see him and it's all, you kind of get the feeling like he's doing everything by the seat of his pants. Roger Moore was kind of like, oh, you know, it, it was, you know, I just did it. And, oh, look, it was planned, you know, and it was it was a humorous well, thing. Well, with Daniel Craig, it's it's a much different bond because yes. the reason why, and obviously 
maybe even next January, because hopefully I forget when Spectre is supposed to come out, but uh, maybe next January, a year from now, we will do a Daniel Craig spotlight uh, for James Bond January. But with Daniel Craig, I'll say this now and I'll say it again next year. In Casino Royale and Quantum of Boredom, because I refuse to call it Quantum of Solace, it's Quantum of Boredom. The movie's fucking boring. Yeah. It just is. Um, it's a setup to show you what Bond was before he got his double O status. And granted, in Casino Royale, he does get his double O status, but even as a double O, he is very raw. Yeah. And I, like I said, you know, last week, I believe it was in Goldeneye, I wish we had started with Skyfall to see him come into his own and be the generalization of Bond that we all know. It doesn't have to be. He can be a hard-ass Bond. Yeah. He doesn't have to be as comical and as stupid as Roger Moore was sometimes. He doesn't have to live up to the standard of Sean Connery. He doesn't even have to try to emulate the style and charisma that Brosnan had. But, oh my God, if you look at it, you had a combination of seriousness and comedy with Connery. You had pretty much all comedy with some seriousness with Moore. Yeah. You had nothing but a hard edge with Dalton. You had everything mixed together with Brosnan, and you have more of a hard edge with more... In, not in your face, um, more face man kind of comedy, more like, I don't want to say straight. I, it, it's a vicious cycle with the Bonds because yeah. <laughs> Dalton was a harder Bond. Brosnan was, you know, kind of a mixture of everything. And then now we're back to the hard edge Bond with, with, with Craig. I really hope after Spectre, uh, which is the next Bond, it was Bond 25, I really hope they get somebody else. I'm I'm ready at this point. Like, don't get me wrong. I loved Skyfall, but I am so ready for another new actor to play Bond. Yeah, I mean, when when you looked at Skyfall and you saw Daniel Craig, kind of, th there were scenes where he was looking old and he was looking haggard, and it was yeah. it was done on purpose. But at the same time, it's like, mm, I I think he's pretty much done and. I love the guy as an actor for this. I think he's great as Bond, but I think it's about time for him to move on. Mm -hmm. So with that, let's go ahead and move on. We'll close out our episode here. Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. Next week, we should hopefully have that little bitch, Stephen Ring, <laughs> no. joining us. Because, you know, he had, he had some sort of knee surgery, you know, ACL. You know, whatever. I'm giving him shit and he knows it. So he'll hopefully be joining us here for uh, God, Not Tomorrow Never Dies. World is Not Enough. and World is Not Enough and Die Another, another day. day. Yeah, I'm like, wait, we're doing Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> I'm horrible. Uh, but yeah, it's. I'm looking forward to the next week uh, that we're going to be doing. And we want you to join us. Thank you for listening to talking about my generation. You can leave us an email at mygenerationpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us feedback on iTunes. Uh, you can go to our webpage at mygenerationpodcast.com. Tell us what you think. Uh, Mike, have you got anything coming up for GCRN? I know I cut you off on the last, uh, last week. We've got a bunch of stuff. We just finished up the GCRN Wars uh, video game tournament. 
Um, got a bunch of stuff coming up in the pull bag this month. Uh, Tunecast Beyond is going to be coming back. MWire is going to be coming back. Um, by the time this is aired, Steve and I did a New Year's Resolutions podcast for GeekCast Radio, our flagship podcast. Uh, just head on over to geekcastradio.com. We have got a ton of content. Um, it's just absolutely amazing. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Cheers.